Because a fish merchant and a fishmonger are the same thing. There's a difference. No, there's not. A merchant sells things for money. A monger trades. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, you're probably right, but it's making me happy to see you squirm about it. (laughs) Oh my god. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where the dead can talk to dogs. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2005 stop-motion animation film, Corpse Bride. Yes! Guys, welcome to Spooky Season! Guys, remember this time last year? It was great. Our first Halloween. What did we do for our first Halloween? We did Casper. We did Hocus Pocus. Mm. We did Silent Hill. We did the Blair Witch Project, which you really resented me for. That's right. You hated me. I didn't hate you. I just... Before we get started, guys, don't forget to go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. Guys, don't forget to practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. Please take a moment. Think about the podcast. Think about what you like, what you don't like. Leave it in a review. We want to hear things, good or bad. Your feedback helps us make this podcast all the better for our listeners. And if you've already left us a review, recommend us to another friend. We would love to have everyone join this watch party. All right, man. Are you ready to get spooky? Let's get spookified. What if Victor and I don't like each other? (laughs) As if that has anything to do with marriage. They were due to be married, though they'd never before met. His parents were thrilled. Hers were filled with regret. But in a moment of panic, Victor desperately fled. And by a grave misunderstanding, married the corpse bride instead. You may kiss the bride. She was frightening, but beautiful, and would never be false. Who is she? I'm his wife. All that she lacked was the beat of a pulse. Maggots. (laughs) From Tim Burton, creator of The Nightmare Before Christmas. Why go up there when people are dying to get down here? Comes a tale of wit, charm, and strife. I'm not dead. About a timid young man. Victoria! And the love of his life. Sounds creepy. Can a heart still break once it's stopped beating? A tragic tale of romance, passion. I feel the same. And the murder most foul. What are our favorite Tim Burton's? His movies? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Real talk? Real talk. Big Fish. Really? I t- keep telling you, man, you would love that movie. Yeah, Carrie Ann's been pushing Big Fish on me for a while now. I still haven't watched it. How about you? Me? I mean, I like 
I can't think of a Tim Burton selection that I absolutely hate, <laughs> but like, yes. okay, how about this? A hate? I do have a Tim Burton hate. Tell me. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that was not- I love the way that movie looks. It, it looks perfect. The production is perfect for it. They just didn't tell the damn story. <laughs> Same with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Tim Burton thinks he can just put his own spices in the chili. <laughs> like, all the way around, even when he's adapting things. There are staple Tim Burton production people, actors. Oh, the actors. Oh my God, we have so many overlapping things. Tim Burton and Johnny Depp are lovers. <laughs> like, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Oh my God. There's no way one man gets that much work <laughs> from the same man. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, Danny Elfman is back. Gotta love our boy Danny. He did the music for Nightmare. Also the Simpsons theme. You know, he's just a little bit of everywhere, and he's all over Tim Burton. If it's Tim, it's Danny. Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? They are a package deal. And you folks guessed it, we have names. Yes, absolutely. We have, in his first... Kicking and streaming appearance? John Christopher Depp II? <laughs> yes. We know Johnny Depp from many, 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 many things. Pirates of the Caribbean, Sweeney Todd. I love that you went to Pirates first. Oh, uh, well, I mean, hey, that's what I think of the- I mean, it's his Harry Potter, isn't it? It kind of is. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, which he was, like, introduced in. Yeah. Then... And everybody thought he was so yummy. He was a baby. Edward Scissorhands, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Finding Neverland, uh, like, uh, name all of the Tim Burton projects. Sleepy <laughs> Hollow, Alice in Wonderland. Moving on, we have the stunning, the talented, in her first kicking and streaming appearance? Yes. They've both been question marks. Helena Bonham Carter. I love Helena Bonham Carter. Guys, we know Helena Bonham Carter from things like... The Harry Potter franchise. She's Bellatrix. And she's... She is Bellatrix. Yes, she is. She is. We know her from things like The King's Speech, where she plays the Queen Mum. <laughs> she's in The Crown. She is playing another member of the royal family, Princess Margaret, the Countess of Snowden. She's also in Big Fish. Big Fish is going to come up a couple of times, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. We have Emily Watson. Um, I know her from nothing. I know her from The Red Dragon, or Red Dragon, whatever the prequel is to Silence of the Lambs. Yep, nope, nothing. <laughs> this is it. This is it? Corpse Bride. She's a very good actress. I don't know why she's in, not in more things. We have Tracy Ullman. Oh my gosh, I forget she's in this. You know her from the Tracy Ullman show, or maybe you don't, because you're not, like, 50. <laughs> okay, we've got the beautiful, the scintillating Joanna Lumley. <laughs> what is your affection for Joanna Lumley? She's hilarious. She is haven't, hilarious. Haven't you ever seen Absolutely Fabulous, the no. BBC hit sitcom? You know I have. With you... Jennifer Saunders and Julia Swahila. Swalila yes. from <laughs> Chicken Run. Yes. <laughs> we also love her in James and the Giant Peach as our dear Aunt Spiker. Dear nothing. She's awful. She's in Ella Enchanted where she plays she another is... evil bitch. Yeah. <laughs> She's notorious for playing either really funny people or huge bitches. Or funny bitches. That too. We have Albert Finney. You may know him from Big Fish. Yes. We just, we just spoke of this. <laughs> 
We just spoke of this. Um, he's also in stuff like Aaron Brockovich. He's in the OG Annie, which is terrible, by the way. Like, oh, God. Everybody's like, oh, I love the 1982 version of Annie with Carol Burnett. I'm like, it's awful. <laughs> like, it's literally, it's it's bad. Like, it's just a bad adaptation. Your adaptation is bad and you should feel bad. He was in, he was in Skyfall. I never saw Skyfall. And he was in a Bourne movie. I don't know. Um, we have Christopher Lee. In his first kicking and streaming appearance. There is nothing about Christopher Lee that is not also Tim Burton. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I know Tim Burton grew up watching all of his movies and just loving his speaking voice. For those, for our generation, we of course know him as Saruman the White Wizard from the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy. Why? I don't know. Isn't he also in the Star Wars franchise? He is Count Dooku in the Star Wars prequels, the Separatist leader. Um, He is also notable in his um, recording career. He is in a heavy metal band. Band he used bands. Bands did not use him. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He fucking wrote Charlemagne. I shed the blood of the Saxon man. 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 I shed it out for I shed the blood of the Saxon man. I shed the blood of all those Saxon men. Shed the blood of the Saxon man. Um Michael Go. Goff? Gaug? Goge? <laughs> I don't know how Goff. to say it. It's Michael Goff. Okay. Um, he's in, you guessed it, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow <laughs> as Hardenbrook. He's also in uh, a couple of the Batman movies. Oh, look, he's the fucking Dodo in Alice in Wonderland. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> he's got his favorites. All right. We've been talking for a half hour. Yeah, I know. We'll go through plot more quickly. I call this aesthetic Tim Burton's high school sketchbook. Right? Everybody's long. Everybody's got odd-shaped heads. Everything's grayscale. Everybody is white as a ghost. I think one of the things you think about when you think about the Victorian era is this overwhelming, gasping doom. Oh, no. Because, like, I don't know, civilization's, like, burning in the fires of industry and, like, you're getting more and more bogged down as time goes on because labor and work becomes more a part of exactly what your entire life is. Because everything's very long and tall and looming. Like, all of the set pieces, like, uh, we're in this cute little, this cutesy little Victorian village in the middle of England somewhere. And just, like, the architecture of everything is very, like, it's going to encapsule you in shadow. You know what I mean? It's like I'm being stalked by the building. I almost think the set pieces are going to swallow me. Oh, man. No, it's good. It's really good. It's really, really good. This this gothic Victorian thing we've got going on. Um, So we have lovely Victor. Victor Van Dort. Victor Van Dork is more like it. You're right. Victor Van Dork, indeed. <laughs> Victor is a very nervous and soft-spoken sort. Yeah, he's um, he just looks it too. Like he's just, he has his BMI is negative five. Yes, and he his eyes take up most of his face. Ex- their eyes are too far apart. All of their eyes are so big. They're so far apart and big, and it's like very like it, it's not hypnotizing, but it's distracting. And of course, everybody in this universe. Universe has bags under their eyes. Of course. 
Of course, it's, it's the Victorian era. Yeah. Everyone's tired. Yes. Whether you work or not. Getting the sequences of him sketching must have been hellish. Oh, all the detail the that detail went into that. And the close camera work has just got to be staggering. He's got this butterfly in this glass case, right? I'm like, first of all, let it have air. <laughs> Second of all, the apparently the butterfly was very difficult because it's a pu- it's still a puppet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, that's crazy. It's like a very, very thin piece of decorative clay. <laughs> and they have to get it on strings just right around this tiny wire axis. Oh, no. Yeah, and they've got to make it flutter around and move. I can't wrap my head around what these animators do. I, I would go blind. I know. You go stress blind. <laughs> <laughs> We're meeting Victor on the day before his wedding. And folks, you know it. There's songs in this one, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> you like this song, though. It's okay. It's a good one. I love, <laughs> as we're going into the song, all of the, th- they, you know, they take the camera around the town square. And, you know, I love the shot of the guy sweeping to the rhythm of the clocks in the window. <laughs> oh, God. And to the bee. And I love the Van Dort fish. Market people just there. There, there's nothing behind their eyes. I know. Just cutting fish. <laughs> unhappy, unhappy, very unhappy. You know, this song's called "According to Plan." Mayhew, one of the fishmongers, he clocks out, takes his apron off, hops on the on the jahapi, or better known as a stagecoach <laughs> in this time, <laughs> the jahapi, and he literally takes it all like three quarters around the square. <laughs> And stops in front of this house. We meet Mr. and Mrs. Van Dort. William and Eleanor. Victor's parents. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful day. It's a rather nice day. A day for a glorious wedding. A rehearsal, my dear, to be perfectly clear. A rehearsal for a glorious wedding. They're excited. They are marrying their son, their awkward, mumbling son, off to a wealthy daughter. Victoria Everglot. And they are jazzed about it. They think that they are moving on up to a deluxe apartment in the sky. Like, because, you know, Lord and Lady Everglot are uh, nobility. And so they think if they can, you know, rub elbows with the uh, peerage, maybe, <laughs> just maybe, we'll be there, we'll be seen, having tea with the queen, we'll forget everything that we've, we've ever, ever, ever been. been. Nell is me. <laughs> Nell is a Victorian woman who is me. Nell is so like interesting to look at I as know. a character. And what did that animator say? It was like shape is character. Shape is character. And like she's just got she's she's robust. Yes. She is squat. <laughs> Stop sorry, that sorry, right now. Sorry. Don't sexualize the claymation. Bazoongas. Don't sexualize, <laughs> d- don't fetishize the puppets. <laughs> don't fetishize the puppets. <laughs> we please. need stickers that say don't fetishize the puppets. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and she's, ma- and Mr. Van Dor is like this little slight of a thing. You can tell well, that's where Victor gets the everything. Oh, about no, him. yeah. Victor and William's builds are very similar. <laughs> I love that they finally pull Victor out into the carriage and they start to drive off to the Everglots. It's three quarters around the square. <laughs> Nobody's walking. They could have literally gone out their front door, turned to the right, and walked to the Everglots. <laughs> but no. Status. <laughs> Got to use the carriage. Of course, Johnny Depp is Victor. And he's t- he's so nervous he could throw up, I honestly. Mean, this is the thing about arranged marriages. 
They don't work. They're toxic. They don't offer for any type of affection or familial stability. Like, it's all about money and status, bub. Shouldn't Victoria Everglot be marrying a lord or something? Oh, nonsense. We're every bit as good as the Everglots. I always knew I deserved better than a fish merchant's life. But I've never even spoken to her. Well, at least we have that in our favor. <laughs> the Van Dorts are overjoyed at the upcoming nuptials. The Everglots are disgusted. It's a terrible day. Now don't be that way. It's a terrible day for a wedding. It's a sad, sad state of affairs we're in. That has led to this ominous wedding. We have Lord Finnis and Lady Maudlin Everglot. We need to talk immediately about the fact that Lady Everglot's head looks like an upside-down scrotum. <laughs> it kind of does. But it's the looming. It's I, the Victorian era. She's <laughs> she's taller than everybody. The Victorian era was one big, hairy, upside-down scrotum. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, not only that, but she's also, um like, twice his height. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love it when he's when he's singing his verse and he's walking down the stairs I, next to her. Yeah, he's so tiny. <laughs> he's the Danny DeVito character. Yes, he sure is. <laughs> and they're just generally unpleasant, awful, selfish people. They are not hype about this. See, the thing about the Van Dorts and the Everglots is the Van Dorts are like, ooh, status. Ooh, let's get into those upper classes. And then the Everglots are like, we're fucking broke. Yeah. Like, we've lost all of our money. How could our family have come to this? To, to marry, marry off our, our daughter, daughter to, to the nouveau riche. They're so common. So coarse. Oh, it couldn't be worse. It couldn't be worse. I'm afraid I disagree. There could be land-rich, bankrupt aristocracy without a penny to their name, just like you and me. And they can't let anybody know it or their daughter will be basically worthless as a commodity. And they're just like, you know who makes money? Bill Van Dort over there. Yeah, he makes money. He's got his own business. Yeah, we could marry that. See what comes of that. They're desperate. That little bit. <laughs> they are not. And I mean, listen, Victor's lovely. But you know who they don't think much of? Their own daughter, Victoria. Oh my God. When they like go up to her portrait. And they're like, our daughter with the face of an otter in disgrace. I, Victoria's pretty. She is. Like, I know that kind of stuff doesn't matter, but like everybody in this universe looks so weird and she looks relatively normal. So I think that kind of makes her the ugly duckling. What if Victor and I don't like each other? <laughs> As if that has anything to do with marriage. Do you suppose your father and I like each other? Surely you must a little. Of, of course, course not. This poor child. Like, they just don't have affection for her. That She is a piece in their game. The song wraps up, and the Van Dorts arrive at the Everglots mansion. Also, Emil, their swordfish butler. Why do you call him a swordfish? He looks exactly like a swordfish. He kind of does. He does. It's like, Emil, a seat for Lord Barkus, and I expect a fish to propel <laughs> a chair forward. I'm just saying... Maudlin's chin holds secrets. <laughs> Did you see that thing? Yes, no, it is a lot. Like, there shapes every single character 
has a vastly different silhouette. And I love that about it, though. It's great. They receive them, and they're going to go into tea, and Victor just kind of lags behind because the energy is weird. Mm -hmm. And there's a piano in the lobby. A Harryhausen piano. (laughs) Harryhausen? Yes. Stop motion animation giant Harryhausen? Yes. He sits down to the piano, and he's playing this beautiful tune. I know. The uh, subtitles on Voodoo, where I viewed the film... Review to this melody, because it plays a couple of times, as mysterious, poignant melody. Victoria hears him in her room. She hears him tickle in the ivories. I bet no one's played that piano in years. It's a big house, too. I know. You can probably hear it anywhere. She walks downstairs, and she surprises him. Oh! Oh. Oh, Do forgive me. You play beautifully. I I, I do apologize, Miss Everglund. How rude of me to... Well... And now it's just a contest to see who can be more charmingly befuddled. It's the it's the earnestness. All of that pride and prejudice, like, oh, yeah, um, I'm gr- I'm so sorry. Uh, we shouldn't, you know. Oh, hello, Lady Everglot. You know, <laughs> it's just very nervous and very clumsy and very anxious. You know, they develop some chemistry here to start with. They smell a flower together. How gay. I know. And you know what shakes my soul? (laughs) What impropriety is this? You shouldn't be alone together. Here it is one minute before five and you're not at the rehearsal. It's just like my, my... My window's rattled. <laughs> I know. I'm um, like, okay, we get it. You're here, Maud. She's like, Pastor Goldsmith is waiting. We have a rehearsal to do. We cut to the rehearsal, and Victor is having some major problems getting his vows right. Pastor Goldswells, played by Christopher Lee, looks like an agent of death. Oh, no. Yeah, he looks like the Grim Reaper's errand boy. Granted, he's a member of the clergy. Yes, no, yes. But he's but, like, tall and creepy looking. This is almost foreshadowing. You know what I mean? And he is over Victor. Master and Dot, from the beginning, again. With this hand, I will lift your sorrows. Your cup will never empty, for I will be your wine. Victor's nervous. He's being clumsy. He can't get his vows right. In his defense, it's a lot more. Com- it's a little more complicated than your traditional weddings. Like there's some stuff involved with a candle, and you have to take so many steps up to the altar, and you have to remember your lines. Also, randomly, in the middle of the rehearsal, we get the introduction of what I can only refer to as the Owen Wilson character, Lord Barkus. What about Lord Barkus? Barkus Bittern. Like, he's just there and I don't want him there. <laughs> oh, okay. Lord Barkus Bittern is here. And you know what? No one really seems to know who he is. And yeah, the, the Everglots are like, well, maybe somebody invited him. We don't do those things. <laughs> no. And the Van Dorts don't know any better. I haven't a head for dates. Apparently, I'm a day early for the ceremony. Is he from your side of the family? I can't recall. Barkus Bitten. Marcus Bitten. And he just looks like a fuck. He looks like a MAGA. Like a Victorian era MAGA. You know who he looks like? Jay Leno. Ah! <laughs> he does. Like a Victorian Jay Leno. I'm sorry I yelled. <laughs> but like, wow. Victor gets so out of sorts that he drops the ring. The ring goes running away right under Lady Everglot's dress. And he goes after it! He home run slides. <laughs> Under Madeline's dress. I just love the... <gasps> the look on her face! 
And he, he has also gone under her dress with the candle. He has the lit candle in his hand. And so he sets his future mother-in-law on fire. Lord Everglot, out of the way, you ninny. <laughs> and he's stamping on his wife's dress. And Nell gets up. Oh, Lord, I hope it doesn't stain. Stop fanning she's it. She's fanning it with her fan. Stop fanning it, you fool. Pastor Goswell says, enough. <laughs> enough. Master Vandor, you leave. You get out of my sight. You learn your vows. You don't come back to me till you know them. Young man, learn your vows. It's like, or else. <laughs> what are you going to do, Pastor Galswell? The ominous chorus. <laughs> and he just backs up against the door and he's out. Like when we go into the woods, I'm like, this better not be time for a lament. <laughs> like you almost think it's going to happen. You think he's going to sing. This movie and Nightmare do hit a lot of similar narrative beats. And now it's and now this is the point where we go for a walk in the woods. Also, before we do, can we talk about how the town crier is the nosiest motherfucker <laughs> in history? Yes. He's just shouting people's personal business to the heavens <laughs> in the middle of the square with a huge fucking bell. <laughs> Mind your business. <laughs> Mind every inch of your business, sir. <laughs> Victor's walking through the woods and he's practicing his vows out loud to himself. And he's truly hopeless. I feel so bad for this kid. Like the vows really are not that hard, Vic. I mean, they're not that hard, but like, I don't know. He's so nervous. He they're hard because he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to do this. He's nervous and it's complicated. And like his entire self-worth is riding on it. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not a good system for happiness. He musters the energy to do it and do it right. Completely unaware of the corpse beneath his feet. With this candle... I will light your way in darkness. With this ring, I ask you to be mine. He places this ring on what looks like a twig. It's a hand. It is a hand. Look at that. It is a hand. It is definitely a hand. Gavin was watching it with me, and he goes, oh, man, what a horrible, horrible accident. And be aware of your surroundings, I guess, is what we take away from this. It's not a twig, guys. It's an actual finger it... attached to a hand, attached to an arm, and it pulls him down. That's one of my worst nightmares. <laughs> is being pulled down into a grave? Yes. Oh, no. Like, I know it can never happen. No, it's but, not like, going to happen. if it did, I would die. In the, I would die immediately. Yeah, just from and shock. Just let it happen. This figure starts to rise from the grave, and she's wearing a wedding dress. The corpse bride. I do. <gasps> ah! <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I like, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend like that wouldn't be cool as shit, but like, 
I'd be shitting. I know. <laughs> and so does Victor. Victor takes off. And she's like, wait, where are you going? And I'm like, girl, if he runs away from you at the altar, do not run after him. <laughs> she is dead. What do you expect him to do? I don't know. Helena Bonham Carter is here, everybody. She's a stunning creation. She is gorgeous, like just visually and how she's composed. She's pretty cute for a dead broad. She is. <laughs> you know, I love her. I just love the way she looks. I love that you can see like her teeth through her cheek. Yeah, she's got a hole in her face. And like one of her legs is still nice and thick and then the other one's just bone. I know, and she's always tripping over it. The veil. Puppeting the dress and veil, that had to be hard work. Oh my God, it looks... It's so fluid, it looks animated. I know. But it's not. It's tiny, teeny, tiny wires in the fabric. Oh, it's great. Yeah, all of these animators are going blind. (laughs) Absolutely. And we thank you for it. Cataracts. She chases him onto the bridge just outside of town. And she- I hate Danny Elfman. I know. (laughs) Because he thinks he's shaken her. And then he turns around and there she is. He passes out from fear. And when he wakes up, we're in a nightclub in the afterlife. The land of the dead. We're in a bar. Like I like this this like land of the dead speakeasy type of thing. There like, is hope for the afterlife, y'all. I guess. I hope I end up here. And there there there's all these fucking like skeletons and people, dead people getting in his face. Like, he's a breather. Do you want to talk about some of the characters we have here? <laughs> Miss how about Ms. Plum? My name's Plum. Miss Plum. She's the cook. We have Jane Horks. And then we have General Bones Apart. Deep Roy. There's the Prussian guy. Yes. There's the guy who split down the middle, the bisected guy. We have Paul, who is a disembodied head. Paul, the head waiter. <laughs> I love that joke. I hate it. We have the Peter Laurie maggot. Who, who is her Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, yeah. He, he lives in her head behind her eyeball. I can do without... The Peter Laurie maggot conscience. <laughs> Nothing's creepier than Peter Laurie, man. I just don't want that ringing in my head the way it's ringing in hers. Wedding feast. I'm salivating. <gasps> Maggots. <laughs> oh, and so, you know, you can imagine, Victor's left his body. <laughs> no, he is so freaked out. Victor is terrified. And wouldn't you be? All of these dead people. Who are you? Where am I? Beep. Beep. Exposition dumb. But we get it in the form of a song, so it's okay. Yeah, this song's called Remains of the Day. Sung by Land of the Dead speakeasy headliner, Bone Jangles. Mr. Bone Jangles. Voiced by Danny Elfman himself. Hey! Give me a listen. Corpses of cheer, beastles of you, who still got an ear. I'll tell you a story and make a skeleton cry of our own jubiliciously lovely corpse bride. I love this song. It's a jazzy bop. Like, Danny, y'all did yourself on this one. It's a very nihilistic sort of song. It's yeah. like, we're all just going to be dust at the end. Exactly. To shoot this sequence, 
to shoot this number? Because it's a dance party number. Shoot me. Because you're going to have to before I shoot this number. Oh, no. Especially all of the skeletal work. Oh, yeah. All of these dry bones just dancing. It must have been hell. And we're learning We're learning about the bride. Her name's Emily, by the way. We learn that later, but I want to say it now because it's a nice name. Basically, murdered by a man who asked for her hand in marriage and stole all of her family's money. Hey, baby, I love you. Meet me by the creepiest tree in the forest with a bag of jewels and be ready to go. Who gets married at 2.45 in the morning? I don't know. Like, could she really not see this coming? I'm not, I'm not shaming the victim. <laughs> You're not blaming I, the victim. I'm not blaming the victim. I'm just saying. So she made a vow lying under that tree that she'd wait for her true love to come set her free. Always waiting for someone to ask for her hand. But out of the pool comes this groovy young man who bowed to be by her side and that's the story of our back in the land of the living we're in the drawing room with the van dorts and the everglots and the van dorts like he will get his shit together we promise and the everglots are like mm. <laughs> Okay. They're like, we're going to go look for him. Don't marry her to anybody else while we're gone. So Lord Barkus, Lord Barkus is here to inform the Everglots that Victor is a lech. Barkus brings in the town crier because you know he's got the 411. (laughs) Hey, 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 Victor Van Dort seen this night on the bridge in the arms of a mystery woman. The dark-haired temptress and Master Van Dort slipped away into the night. And the town crier, who I guess witnessed everything that happened with Emily on the bridge, like, if I had seen that, how could I go back to work? <laughs> well, he she probably didn't look dead from that distance. Maybe. And so Emily and her little Jiminy Cricket maggot are looking for Victor. <laughs> I hate that the maggot in her head's like, you don't know this guy. This is fucking weird. You kidnapped him. <laughs> she kind of did, yeah. didn't she? And like, she's walking through the alley. She passes by this store. It says the second hand shop. And it's just like barrels full of hands. Yeah. <laughs> full of hands. Come on. I love it so much. She finally catches up to him. And she is in full honeymoon mode because she thinks they're married. Yeah. Like, she's confused about why he's so, like, adverse to her. And poor Emily. All she wants is true love. I know. She's been waiting for it for so long. And she thinks she's finally got it. Her wedding present to him. This is kind of metal. I gotta be honest. Her wedding present to him is the bones of his deceased childhood pet. Scraps. (laughs) My dog Scraps. (laughs) Oh, Scraps. Perhaps, what a good boy. I knew you'd be happy to see him. Scraps his dog. back to Zero, who was a ghost dog, but like... I also enjoy Scraps. We need to t- we need to call up Tim Burton and find out about his childhood dog. Yeah, no, I really want to ask him about his dog. Yeah, because obviously Zero and Scraps are owed somewhere. There is always a deceased dog. Remember Frank and Weenie? Yep. Yep. Also that. Here's where Victor made his first mistake. As a way of getting back to the land of the living, he schemes that Emily should meet his parents. 
I love it because she's like, oh, where are they buried? He's like, uh, no, they um are still alive. Like, I am also still alive. They're still topside. I don't like this because he's lying to her. She's a corpse. I know. She's kidnapped him. I know. I'd lie to the corpse who kidnapped me. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to shame Victor. It's just why couldn't you just be up front with her? Be like, listen, I was just practicing my vows. It was an accident. Is it because he's afraid he's going to be murdered? I'd probably carry. All right. Okay. Probably. I'll lay off. Victor. So yeah, he suggests they visit his parents and they're like, uh, yeah, they're still alive. And so Scraps barks as if suggesting something. This is where I went, Emily can talk to the dog? Because <laughs> the dog goes, yelp, yelp. And she goes, what? <laughs> oh no, we couldn't possibly. And I'm like, what? What's that, Lassie? Little Timmy at the bottom of the well? Do communication barriers break down in death? I guess. I. <sighs> You're dead. You all speak the same language. In that case, I cannot wait to talk to some of the animals we worked with at the clinic. Oh, Ross. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They're going to have words with you. They are. They really are. Your conversation is going to start with a smack in the face. So I guess Scrap suggests they visit Elta Goodnicht. You don't like Elder Goodnick, do you? You know, upon rewatching it, I do like Elder Goodnick. He's just a skeleton with a little beard. Yeah, it's funny. We need to go up. Upstairs? To visit the land of the living. Land of the living? Oh, my dear. Please, Elder Goodnick. Now, why go up there when people are dying to get down here? Michael Goff, everybody. I love it. Like, he's just a great character. And he's the one who's going to provide them with a way to get upstairs, as they call it, in the land of the dead. Now, why go up there when everyone's dying to get down here? I like that. I like that a lot. He would have been fired if he worked at Sorry Mom Productions. (laughs) Goodnick suggests a Ukrainian haunting spell. And I'm like, why is it Ukrainian? (laughs) You know, this is based on a Russian folktale. Corpse Bride? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I don't have a lot of information about that, but I do know that it's based on a Russian, like, fairy tale or folktale. Okay. At first you think he's trying to do the trick, like, to get them sent away. (laughs) He's he's... making this concoction out of all these things he's pulling from vast corners. Everything's puffing smoke and, like, gurgling. He mixes the concoction. Now then, where were we? And then just downs it, burps, and goes, okay, where were we? He was just making a cocktail. This is Bloody Mary. All the suspense. And so he literally takes hold of the crow. Also, there are live birds in the land of the dead. <laughs> I guess it's you a know li- what? It's a live magical bird, I'm guessing, because he takes that crow, squeezes it, pops out an egg. Ready? Just remember, when you want to come back, say hopscotch. Scotch. That's it. He cracks that egg and all this gold smoke flows down on them. And all of a sudden, they're outside the tree where she tried to pull him into the ground. Yeah, no, here's what I'm wondering. How did she get up there the first time? She did just crawl out of her grave, but is that where she hangs out all the time? Is it like Moaning Myrtle where you can just go from U-Bend to U-Bend, or is it like... I don't understand how the underworld works. We need to leave these writers alone. I know. Absolutely. And so I just love this because we come back to the land of the living, and Emily starts floating through the woods. She She wants to be alive. I know. She wants to be alive so bad. She loves her new living husband and wants so bad to have the life she was robbed of. (laughs) He tells her to sit tight with her eyes closed. (laughs) 
while he goes and gets his parents. He's like, so you stay here and I'll back away slowly. Yeah. He's like, no peeking. (laughs) (laughs) He runs away, steals away to the Everglots. Emily, come on. He he scales Victoria's balcony, gets gets onto her balcony, knocks for her to open it up. And she's like, holy shit. And so he, she lets him in. He confesses that he can't wait to marry her now. Yeah. This morning, I was terrified of marriage. But then on meeting you, I felt I should be with you always and that our wedding could not come soon enough. Ah. Victor, I feel the same. And I'm like, this seems fast. It is. Yes, it is. I He's think, like, I will do anything not to go back to that corpse. I, I mean, honestly, maybe he is doing it out of fear, but I'm just like, you know what? This morning, bud, you were super nervous about this. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. He's already married, technically speaking. Uh, yeah. He's married to Emily now. And Emily, um, I, I don't know how she finds him so quickly. Guess who's at the window? <laughs> And I just love this because this is just, there's, it's such, it's such shade. She sees Victoria, grabs Victor closer to her and goes, darling, who's this? <laughs> and Victoria goes, who is she? And she goes, I'm his wife in the bony hand with the ring on it. Victoria, the way Victoria looks at the ring and she's like, like squinting at it, like, what the fuck? I'm just, I just, I don't know what to do here, folks, because like, did he marry her? I don't know if this is binding or not. It's so not. I know. It's so not. Why am I so ready to side with her? Because the court, she was literally waiting for the opportunity. It happened and she took it. She just, I just want nice things for her. And I wish he did want to marry her. And it's it's like. she is dead. Here's what this, here's how this happened. Honey, can we have ice cream later? Maybe. Ha, you said yes. (laughs) Oh, no. You know? So Emily turns it up to an 11. Because he goes, look, she's dead. Victor? Victoria, wait, you don't understand. She's dead. Look. (laughs) All I can say is this is traumatizing for Victoria. (laughs) Just a speaking corpse in her bedroom. <laughs> and it and stole her boyfriend. stole her boyfriend. And ran away. Emily is heartbroken. Oh. You lied to me. <laughs> Just to get back to that other woman. Don't you understand? You're the other woman. No. You're married to me. She's the other woman. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a point. Elder Goodnick, stay out of this. Yeah, come on. He, he's just like, oh, I'm a squirrel. <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, I, I feel bad for her. I feel bad. She storms away. We get this song. It's called Tears to Shed. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. Well, it's just, I don't like this song either because it feels like two songs. It's got two different moods. This is the mama I'm a big girl now of Corpse Bride. All it is is the maggot and now her and her spider friend. She yeah. has a little spider friend too. Voiced by Jane Orris. <laughs> yeah, she pulled double duty for this movie. And they're just gassing her up. What does that wispy little brat have that you don't have to she can't hold a candle to the beauty of your smile. How about a pulse? Overrated by a mile. Overvalued 
They're like, what has she got that you don't got? A pulse, <laughs> skin all over her body. And then we also have this verse where everything's just swimmy and mournful. And she's like, I'm so tired of being dead and alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, I feel bad for her, but it's just like, I don't like the song. Sorry. It's, it's no offense to anybody. It's just not my cup of tea. And yeah, it's just, it's sad. And But the one thing about this song that I do like... The use of light in this movie is exquisite. They do do a very good job with the... They do do. <laughs> they do do. They do be doing. They do be do be doing. They do a really good job at the lighting, absolutely. I would agree with you. Like shining through her veil and like really getting that romantic, mournful, gothic sort of look. I love it. Cut to Victoria losing it to the Everglots. <laughs> She's had a night. She's been traumatized and no one believes her. It's true, Mother. Victor is married to a dead woman. I saw her. A corpse. Standing right here with Victor. Victor was in your room? Oh, come sit in your chair, dearie. You're shaking like a leaf. Let Hilda fetch your blanket. Fetch her a straitjacket. She's completely mad. Doesn't Maudlin give you big Lady Tremaine vibes? Oh, yeah, no, she kind of looks like a Tim Burton Lady Tremaine like it, from the, Cinderella. When she has the key and she locks her in her room. But Victoria escapes into the stormy night anyway to go consult with Pastor Galswells. Yeah, she crawls down, like, on her duvet. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sometimes the dialogue and the puppeteering don't always translate. Like... When she first bursts in the church to talk to Pastor Galswells, like, she's, of course, overcome. She's overwhelmed. The voice performance that Emily Watson is giving here, I feel, does not match up well with the puppeteering. You think that her voice sounds very desperate. And her voice is way more desperate and way more animated, but the puppet is just, it's, oh, she almost looks passive and confused. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. And I love that Galswells is, like, just like... Am I having a fever dream? And like, he, she got him out of bed in the middle of the night. Can the living marry the dead? What on earth are you speaking about? Please, it's Victor. He's married to a corpse. He has a corpse bride. There must be some way to undo what's been done. I believe I know the thing to do. Come with me. He literally just drags her back to the Everglots. Ding dong. You think he's going to help her and he just takes her home. And I'm just like, God damn it, you snitch. I just want Goswells to open his mouth and go, there is no life in, in the, the void. void. Only death. death. Oh, no. <laughs> this is where Barkus makes his move because he- Why is he just wandering around their house? Because like many- Barkus also thinks that the Everglots have money. <laughs> like, it's, you know, I feel like that's supposed to be some kind of, like, big reveal. He's trolling for money. Stupid rich people. He's hovering around this marriage, waiting for it to fall apart so he can swoop in and make his move. And so uh, he's like, if I had Victoria, I'd lavish her with riches befitting royalty. And the Everglots like, yes, that, that, that let's do that. <laughs> yes, more of that, please. So they decide, we're going to kick Vic to the curb. We're going to give Lord Barkus a try. Can I just say, they boarded her up real quick. 
Yeah. Like they knew she wasn't going to agree to it. Before they locked her away, Madeline's like, board the board the doors, bar the windows. She's not see that she doesn't escape again. And then we like it's like 30 seconds later and we cut to she has all these boards all over her windows. I was like, Emil works fast. <laughs> he is top notch help. She's stabbing the door <laughs> with a spear to get out. And Finnish just opens it up and she's like, oh shit. <laughs> And so they're like, change of plans, dude. You're totally just going to marry Barkus in the morning. Lord Barkus? He will make a fine husband. I have fortuitous turn of events indeed. But I do not love him. You cannot make me do this. We must. Without your marriage to Lord Barkus, we shall be forced penniless into the street. I wish somebody was interested in what Victoria wanted. Your father left us nothing but a legacy of debts hidden by a good name. That name is the only card we have to play. How did you get a Titanic reference in there? Because it's not... Okay, it's a similar situation, maybe. <laughs> they are, She is marrying for, for money. money. She's yeah. marrying for money. Do you know how many women in history have married for money? Yeah, it was a common practice. I have in all cap letters, Victor Van Dort elopes with corpse. What the hell, town crier? <laughs> is there nothing else to report? There has to be nothing else to report. It's a slow news day. When the town crier was TMZ. Oh my God. <laughs> the scoop on everything. So Mayhew was driving the Van Dorts around looking for Victor. and. They can hear the town crier saying that Victor's eloped with a corpse. And William's like, did he say corpse? (laughs) And here's the thing, guys. Uh, Mayhew devolves into a coughing fit. That kills him. He keels over and dies. Just falls off the carriage. Mayhew! Is he trying to kill us? I think he's trying to kill us. No, he's dead. Oh, my God. (laughs) He falls right off that thing and just, he croaks. The working class, man. It's the Victorian era. Yeah, fuck that. (laughs) Um, Back in the land of the dead, Victor goes to Emily to apologize for lying to her. And she's playing the piano in the empty bar. I'm sorry I lied to you about wanting to see my parents. It's just this whole day hasn't gone quite well. (sighs) According to plan. I love Bone Jangle's piano. The coffin piano with the bone keys. I love it. Talk about tickling the ivories. And you know who likes to play the piano? Victor. They end up playing the piano together. That what's mysterious, poignant melody. <laughs> He's playing major, she's playing minor, and they start this little duet. Aw. He's playing major and she's playing minor. I know. Oh, Tim. Uh-huh. <laughs> Every- Every (laughs) 15-year-old. And that's all interrupted by a new arrival. We are welcoming we are welcoming Mayhew to the land of the dead. Rest in peach. Um also this is where we realize he speaks. Yeah, he does speak. He's done nothing but coughing the whole film. Mayhew fills him in on what's going on topside. Tells Victor that Victoria's gonna marry Lord Barkus instead. And so, like, I don't know, Victor's how does Victor feel? I I, I feel like Victor's confused. I feel like he's conflicted. He's like, no. I'm supposed to marry her. That's supposed to be me. But, like, I'm kind of feeling things for the corpse. I'm <laughs> yeah. kind of feeling things for Emily. Like, I just, there's a joke there about her stopping his heart or something, but I don't know. I'm just too caught up. Is Victor's character itself 
that purgatorial feeling. Oh, should I stay or should I go state of indecision? We are film scholars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So Emily is complaining to the cooks and Mrs. Plum. You know, like, I'm just trying to get him on my side, you know, like, I'm trying to make him all comfortable with everything. It's like she's telling her friends, like, we fought, but we're making up. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so Elder Gutnick waltzes into the kitchen with all of them and is like, so here's the thing. (laughs) You know, the whole death until we part thing and the whole marriage thing. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, here's the thing. Death has already parted you. Oh, no. And this is where I wrote the most basic conflict presents itself which is what that victor has to die in order for them to be truly married stay in the living world or pass on so into the next life you were right should i stay or should i go <laughs> and one tale as old as time this is also when i wrote down so when the time comes the boy must die oh my god <laughs> can we go one episode without you making a harry potter reference no just one elder Gutnick basically tells her you know he would need his vows in the land of the living and drink from the wine of ages. Poison. This would stop his heart forever. Only then would he be free to give it to you. Also, Victor's witnessing this entire conversation. Yeah, he's he's dropping some eaves. And I think that Victor, weighing his options, he's just like, well, Victoria's already married off to somebody else. And I'm kind of into this corpse. She plays piano. Yeah. like <laughs> At least she can play piano. I like a woman. That is one thing that Emily has that Victoria doesn't. It is the only thing that seems to endear her to him or endear him to her. And like, love of music is a great thing to fall in love over. It's just like, I feel like we're doing this because we feel like we have no other options. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like there's not a whole lot of um, pursuit in this narrative. It's a little too easy. So this takes us into the wedding song. I hate this. <laughs> Why? I hate, like, th- there's like four numbers, right? Uh-huh. I hate half of them. <laughs> a wedding. A, a wedding. wedding. We're going to have a wedding. Huzzah, huzzah, we're going to have a wedding. It's all about the chivas, the brightest getting married today. We are moving this wedding party upstairs. Upstairs. I didn't know we had an upstairs. We're baking wedding cakes. We're tailoring Victor's suit. That wedding cake does look sick, though. I know. Miss Plum did a good job. I can see some gothic person having that as their wedding cake. This is where Gavin pointed out that the whole general color scheme of the Land of the Dead is more vibrant than that of the Land of the Living. Like, yes, everything is in the land of the living is very grayscale, blue scale, very dismal, Mm -hmm. like with the threatening buildings. Yes. Like you said. And there's all of this color, all of these bright pops of color in the land of the dead. Do not pity the dead, Harry. Pity the living. God damn you. (laughs) It's like the land of the dead is so much livelier. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. All right. Also, um. Victoria is a shell of a woman. Oh my god. At that wedding. This wedding between her and Barkus happens and she's not there. Like her eyes are open, she's alert, there's <laughs> no one home. She's checked out. 
Uh, so um, the dead appear at the bittern reception. Oh, yeah. We're at this wedding reception. Which no one is pleased to be at. Marcus is up there saying something for a toast. The whole time, Victoria's just sitting next to him, wide-eyed, <laughs> like she's just seen something horrible. And I'm like, she's dead inside. She's left her body. She is dead. Poor dear. I think that's what's happening here. Oh, very nice. I think she's dead in the land of the living. Oh, poor baby. So all of a sudden, like the fireplaces go green. It's very Beetlejuice. This one zombie comes up behind Finnis at the table and his eye pops out <laughs> and it lands in Finnis's thick green soup. There's an eye in me soup. <laughs> you know there's an eye in my soup? <laughs> like he's not McReady. He's not. But the lady across from him is. <laughs> oh my God. I love this whole scene where the dead just crash this party because all of the living are freaking out. Also, Barkus is a little bitch boy. He climbs right under that table. I know. And just Victoria's just sitting there watch the whole th- watching the whole thing happen. Fetch me musket. Fetch her own musket. I'm off. Yeah, Emil is out of here. He said nope. I don't get paid enough for this. <laughs> the dead start leaving the house and going out into the street and the town crier. In other news. The, the dead, dead walk the earth. <laughs> like this whole scene is a little tense to begin with. Yeah. Because everybody's stalking around being all creepy and dead and everybody's freaked out. It all comes down to this one zombie in a top hat and this child. The child's, like, terrified of the zombie, but then, like, gets a better look at him and wanders up to him. And the, everybody's like, what's that fucking kid doing? And the kid- like, Billy, no! And the zombie picks up the kid with this ominous grin on his face. And the kid just goes- Grandpa? <laughs> and they hug each other! <laughs> what the hell? It's his dead grandfather! <laughs> like, it's so funny and nice! The scene with the- uh, uh, what's her name? Gertrude. Yes, Gertrude. Gertrude is beating the shit out of a skeleton with her walker. And he's like, stop. Sugar pie. Honey, honey bunch. Gertrude. It's her dead husband. Alfred? Alfred? Oh, you've been dead for 15 years. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I personally donate money to every director to never make another Gone with the Wind reference ever again. I mean, let's let. Okay, we (laughs) we cannot deny a feat of filmmaking, but let's not glorify the South, okay? It's 2005. Like, I'm tired of. It's not 2005. It's 2020. But this was. This 2005. Come on. <laughs> this was 2005 and like I'm already I'm tired of Gone with the Wind references and I'm tired of Godfather references. After a brief panic, the dead and the living begin to recognize one another and peacefully agree to attend Victor and Emily's wedding <laughs> together. Marcus and Victoria are the only ones left in this reception hall and Bar- she wasn't phased. She wasn't phased. She wasn't phased by the whole ordeal. She's still sitting right where she was when they came in. She's just sitting there like fuckers, I was right. <laughs> And so Barkus gets up and he's like, okay, we got to take whatever money we can get and we got to get the hell out of Dodge. And she's just like, bitch, what money? (laughs) And he's like, your riches, your dowry, it's my right. I hate men. (laughs) I know. I hate men. You want my body, my obedience, and my money? It's my marriage to you that will save them from the poorhouse. The the poorhouse? It's a lie. It isn't true. 
Tommy Golang! Did things not go according to your plan, Lord Barkis? Well, perhaps in disappointment we are perfectly matched. Did things not go according to your plan, Lord Barkis? Barkis is clutching his pearls. <laughs> the poorhouse? <laughs> He's been had. He's been had, and he feels stupid about it. But what's to do? They're married now. Galswell's is Wigan. Oh, my God. So here's the thing. Everybody's going to the church <laughs> wedding, right? Yeah. The dead are wandering towards the church in a procession, and Pastor Galswell's is standing on the steps of the church. It's gone, ye demons from hell. Back to the void from whence you came. You shall not enter here. Back. Keep it down, we're in a church. <laughs> that guy. He's just like, can you quiet the fuck down? We're trying to have a nice night. And the pastor's mouth just falls open. He can't believe it. That's my favorite moment in the whole movie. I, my favorite moment in the whole movie is Victor standing at the altar with Elder Goodnicked, the dead and the living sitting harmoniously together on either side of the aisle and then the traditional wedding themes just starts playing and the way they all just turn around and look all of their facial expressions are priceless it's just <laughs> they're all so excited they're just like holy shit we're about to see a corpse marry a man I know we're about, to, <laughs> we're about to watch a man die in front of us the world has become cooler since the dead came to party like <laughs> Victoria comes to get a glance at the ceremony and Victor is making it through his vows flawlessly. I know. And I'm like, mm, poor Victoria. <laughs> he's confident about this. Yeah. He really thinks this is his only recourse. Like, he's about to die. And he's ready to. Yeah, he's just like, you know what? I hate the world. Don't think about it too hard, guys. You'll get <laughs> messed up about it. Yeah. They're saying their vows, and Victoria is watching this happen. And Emily sees her. Yeah. Emily can see Victoria, but Victor can't see Victoria. Diana could see Camilla on the way down the aisle, just saying. Oh, stop. <laughs> she did. She had to walk right past her, didn't she? Yeah. Oh, the energy in that room. Yep. And the energy is very similar here. Emily is stumbling. She can't do this. No. She. He's getting ready to take a sip of that poison, and she stops him. This, this is, is wrong. wrong. She takes his face. I was a bride. My dreams were taken from me. Well, now. Now I've stolen them from someone else. I love you, Victor. But you're not mine. She's crying. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's like, oh, God. I'm having a come to... <laughs> a come, a come to, to Jesus, Jesus moment. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. You're fired. You're fired. Get the fuck out of my oh, studio. I'm so, you know what? Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's been great. All right. So, <laughs> listen, I don't like the whole narrative where we pit two women against one another over a man. It's tired. I'm tired of it. Exactly. But on the other hand, I also like it when in weird love triangles such as this, one person can let the other two people be happy. Like, it's like at the end of Hunchback of Notre Dame where yeah. Quasimodo lets Phoebus and Esmeralda be together. Or like when the Phantom lets Raoul and Christine be together. <laughs> I think we're making it a lot simpler than it actually is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are the vibes. Guess who fucking turns up? A man. <laughs> Remember when I said I hate men? Lord Marcus is here to bother. I hate him again. <laughs> 
he literally points a knife at Victoria and he's like, she's my wife. We're getting out of here. No one's going to stop me. And then Emily recognizes him. Yeah. I left you. The dead. This woman is obviously delusional. I love when the gasp and the skeleton gasps and his bottom jaw comes off. This woman is absolutely delusional. A dead man could have seen that plot point coming. So this- God, Carrie. (laughs) I thought you were going to let me get away with that. I don't know why. Sorry. Oh my god. So this sword fight ensues between Victor and Barkus. It's kind of cool. Victor like grows a pair real fast. Yeah. Because he's like, take your hands off her. Yep. And this whole sword fight ensues. But here's the thing. Barkus has a sword and Victor has a dinner fork. I <laughs> know. I love it. Plum. This is Miss Plum goes, Victor, catch. <laughs> and she throws him a fork. It's a meat fork. Yeah. And she goes, sorry. <laughs> What the hell am I supposed to do with this? Barkus pins Victor down. Goes to stab him. Yeah, it's it's bad news bears. He's going to run him through with that sword. Who does he run through instead? (gasps) (gasps) Emily. She stepped in front of the sword. It's beautiful. She saved his life. I love it so much. She wants him to live. I think there's a reason I have more of an emotional attachment to this movie than I do to Nightmare. And it's really, it really comes down to the love story for me. Because you mean three quarters of the way through Nightmare Before Christmas, Jack and Sally decided, hey, I'm I'm a dude, you're a chick, we need to be together. Yeah, no. Yeah, like. <laughs> it doesn't feel so contrived. They just decided to like each other in the moment. I'm enjoying the gothic romance a lot more. <laughs> she Bar- pulls that sword out of herself and she's just like, get out. And Barkus is like, all right. All right, okay. He's backing away slowly, and he gets all smarmy. But first, a toast to Emily. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Tell me, my dear, can a heart still break once it's stopped beating? Hmm? Takes a swig of that chalice and fucking dies. (laughs) Because guess what, fucking dumbass? It was poison. There's poison in it. It's a little Shakespearean, Didn't right? You see the, do you not see the red bottle with the skull and crossbones on it sitting right next to the goblet? No, guys, always read labels. It's too important. <laughs> it's too important. And so he immediately goes blue in the face and dies. Oh, this is great, right? This is be- because now it's open season. I love Elder Goodnick stops everybody and goes, wait a minute. We must abide by their rules. We, we are, are amongst the living. living. And, and then he dies. And he turns around all purple faced and <laughs> the maggots like, not anymore. <gasps> yep, you're right. He's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> And like they, they like swarm him and drag him into the other room. And Mrs. Plum pulls the door to and goes, "New arrival!" Oh my God! What are they planning to do to him? Yeah. What are they going to do to him back there? So everybody is left traumatized. <laughs> In the church hall. I don't think it's quite that way. I I think everybody's just glad it's over. Emily puts Victor's hand in Victoria's. 
just kind of walks away and he runs after her and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I made a promise to you. You kept your promise. You set me free. She returns his ring and it's just so beautiful. Now I can do the same for you. I know. I love it so much. She's walking down the aisle. The music is so beautiful. She gets outside the big church door and she looks at the huge moon. And you know how she loves the moonlight. She just gives this exhale and her entire being devolves into butterflies. Yeah, just like the one we saw at the beginning. The one that Victor set free. You know what this brings me back to? Tell me. The idea of unfinished business. Like from Casper. From Casper. She has no more unfinished business. She can cross over. She can be at peace. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. She's not a spirit. She's a corpse, but at the same time. That would suck. You die and you're still in your meat prison. Ugh. And it's just rotting? No thank you. I want to be a ghost. You do? I do. I want to be a specter. I want Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd to come after me. I want to be a nuisance. You want to be candy and pose. <laughs> I want to be a nuisance. You you want to you you want to bother the shit out of me. Oh no, yeah, I will haunt your ass. I'll haunt your ass harder. <laughs> you will not. Yes, you I will. will not. Oh, and I'll I'll scare you to I'll scare you to death too. I just I don't know why. I don't really know if this movie is empirically better than Nightmare or not. I think I just don't I think they're both really good for their time. I do. And like yeah, there's a lot of similar beats, you know. It's Tim Burton, guys. It's he comes with his own flavor. You're going to see a lot of the same images, a lot of the same narrative beats. And but I just I don't know why I like this one so much more. It's because like we say in almost every show we do, we are suckers for production. Yeah. The production value is, it's, in, it, it, I'm speechless. Like, do you like the way the characters look better in this movie? Of course I do. Absolutely. Nightmare. I do. Because, like, these are in Nightmare for Christmas. Granted, there's more room for creativity there. Yeah. Because you get to create your own Halloween town monsters and beings. And whereas in Corpse Bride, you're mainly dealing with portraying the dead and certain aspects of the corpsey dead. You know what I mean? Spooky humor. Exactly. I really don't think one is better than the other. I think what you said is more apt for the older people in our generation. It's nightmare for the younger people in my generation. It's corpse. And like listening to how this production was made, like they're storing it on like image on like memory cards yeah and like taking it with nikon cameras and then piecing that all together i'm just like that sounds like so overwhelming to me what's stunning and staggering is the effort involved yeah that's what we eat up that's what we love so much we've got like 200 dolls 200 puppets like that is work and so much rigging and every little detail is attended to and it's just like i hope that this does not die out as an art form. I hope we keep doing this kind of thing. It's a lot of money, too. That's the thing. It is a lot of money for less than standard output. Some might say easier to animate. Aww. I do like the music from Nightmare better. Yeah, the music from Nightmare is better, but 
I, I feel like the overall aesthetic is much more poignant in Corpse Bride. I agree. Just in terms of the set pieces, characters, I mean, definitely in Nightmare, the set pieces and characters look much more wacky. Yeah, no, when it comes to Halloween movies, Nightmare is where it's at. Yeah. And, you know, Corpse Bride is just a spooky good time. I also love that this movie's not very long. It's less than 90 minutes. It's literally like, this is a cup of cocoa and a cuddle. Right? Like, I love it. Yeah. I am ready for fall. Well, you know what the best part about fall is? What is it? Me. <laughs> yes, that's right, because you were born I in the fall. I come with the fall. You're autumnal. Autumnal? Autumnal. Autumnal. You're autumnal. My autumnal It sibling. sounds like you're saying I'm terminal. <laughs> no, you're not terminal. You're autumnal. <laughs> I was my mom's autumnal tumor. All right, guys, that's it. One spooky movie down. Eh, moderately spooky. It's moderately spooky, but it's just, it's a vibe. You know what I mean? Are we going to do something spookier? Oh, we are definitely going to do something spookier. We're going to be delving into a very niche genre of horror, in my opinion. You mean sexy horror? <laughs> Erotic horror, yeah. Erotic horror, baby. You know, in the 80s, you know, we some of the horror movies are a little sensual. It's just like, where does that energy come from? At what point does death become sexy throughout cinema history? I don't know, but next week we will be covering the 1985 horror classic, Fright Night. Yeah! I love this movie. Mm. This movie is like kind of sexy, but it's more terrifying than anything. I remember watching this movie as a kid. It would traumatize the shit out of me and I couldn't get to sleep. And we get like all the practical makeup effects, all of the music. This movie is, uh, how about this? Fright Night is disturbingly sexy. Let's go. Look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can send us a spooky hello at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And remember, folks, the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. Rate, review, retweet. That goes for us and for the podcast that we're mentioning in the show notes this week. Please support our fellow creators. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom. Gothic news, gothic news, gothic news.